This is Kanzenshu, the podcast, episode 315 for the week of November 25th, 2012. Hey, hey, what up, internet? Welcome to Kanzenshu, the podcast. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. Kanzenshu. That's right. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Up and Adam early on this fine Sunday morning over here in New Jersey. My name is Mike Vegito EX. I still have that waking up slightly deeper voice. I feel good about that for podcast recording. That makes for good times. I do have a refilled cup of coffee, though, so I may hit puberty over the course of the episode and turn back into normal Mike, but also joining me me with the uh the real deep voice by way of japan julian hey dude good evening or morning as it may be but wouldn't that be <laughs> sort of reverse is. puberty uh yeah i suppose well yeah well i suppose you'd still have to hit it on the way yeah <laughs> as you get older kind of all reverses so you go back how you doing man i'm doing pretty good i'm feeling pretty good about this weekend so i don't know if you heard but friday was holiday in japan labor thanksgiving you know i made some pumpkin pies some sweet potato casserole a whole bunch of stuff stuffing mashed potatoes works oh and um i almost forgot i also made jello with cranberry sauce mixed in <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's the no important wait. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it happens to be because I went out and got one of these, which none of okay, the listeners I, can I see. I am but... looking at you. Right, right. I can see everything that you're doing right now. This, however, is an audio podcast. So why don't I describe a little bit here? So you're holding a relatively large size. It, it appears to be almost a mini poster. It's in this frame. It's kind of wrapped on the outside. And I see both Monkey D. Luffy and Son Goku on this mini poster-esque thing. For the folks that have not been keeping up, because every podcast is someone's first podcast episode, Julian, what are you holding up to the camera? I am holding the Super Korabo Chiketto for the two films One Piece Film Z and Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods. Awesome. Yes. So this is a special commemorative ticket for the, fr- for the two films. It is good for both of them, and at 2,600 yen, when I can't really get to matinees, it's pretty pretty much a steal, really. I was going to say, that's actually a pretty damn good price for two movies, considering it's not just that you get to see the movies, it's that you get this commemorative... Again, it's not really a ticket, it's kind of a mini poster. Right, there's only 8,989 of these, which is Japanese goro awase, or number punning for waku waku, which means excitement. Um, it is not... It has nothing to do with being over a certain arbitrary value, you know. (laughs) Nice. Okay. No. So (laughs) don't worry about that. So, yeah, it's pretty decent size. Uh, It comes in a sort of frame that has a number on it out of the 8,989. And the frame itself is about A4 size. So the ticket is slightly smaller. All right. Uh, Now, there's a couple of things that I want to get to in a minute. But first, I should tell you by way of explanation that I got up... Oh, ass early on my day off. And I took the first subway train out to Abino to stand in line at Apollo Cinemas 8, which is the closest movie theater that was doing this promotion. Now, I was expecting that there would be a lot of people and that I would really have to get there early. Yeah, I mean, we're talking the first theatrical Dragon Ball movie in, was it 17 years at this point? Yeah, and not just that, but also One Piece. I mean, that's right. that's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Across a huge swath of Japanese society. So I get there um, maybe 5.30 in the morning, 
the guard lets me in the door because they were kind of expecting a few people. I'm the third person in line. <laughs> so there were two people that had the same idea as you. They got there sooner than you did. Yes. All right. So you're, so you're number three in line at what time in the morning? 5.30. 5.30 a.m. Okay. Take us through the morning. How do things proceed from here? So, yeah, well, uh, the day before I had been in touch with Osaka superfan Picking Duck on Twitter. He was planning on coming out really early, too, to line up. So we were kind of trading information back and forth and trying to figure out what our plan was going to be. And if we okay. couldn't get tickets at Abeno, his plan was to hop on the train at Tennoji and go down to Otori in, in the city of Sakai. All right, so he's got kind of a game plan set up where it's, I'm going to try this one first. If that's a no-go, there's too many people. I'm going to hop on the train, go to this next stop. So he's good to go. Yeah, and so I kind of followed his lead, and he did say that if it was no good where we were, that he would offer to get tickets for me as well, since I had to go back home and work on Thanksgiving things. <laughs> right, right. So we, I was waiting there, and I, this other person walks in, so I get on Twitter, and I wrote fourth person is here and then <laughs> a minute later i get a response hi i'm the fourth person <laughs> oh I like it's it. him <laughs> yes so we started talking and we actually covered a wide range of things just about the franchise in general and the sort of merchandise and he's a collector of basically anything dragon ball related and he has like shelves and drawers and just tons of stuff he has every single jump issue that dragon ball appeared in yeah now the urban legend is that he has a second house to hold all of his dragon ball stuff is this true i don't know if that's actually true uh okay. i know from the thing that uh friend of the site greg warner yes. formerly of the ultimate dvz information site right appeared on a program with another one piece fan who did buy another house just for his one piece things but i'm not okay. sure about uh picking duck vis-a-vis -vis dragon ball Gotcha. Okay. But anyway, getting back on topic. So we were just talking about this thing. He's showing me some of his collection on his camera, which he brought to document the occasion. Sure. You know, talking about the franchise in general and the shift to digital and, you know, Psycho Jump. I mean, his particular stance on the situation that it's an effort to get kids interested in reading manga. Yep. Yep. And how, for example, Dragon Ball SD has is of no interest to us because it's basically retelling the story without anything particularly funny but for kids who seeing who are seeing it the first time it could actually be quite enjoyable and you know just going on like that and trading sort of insights into the franchise i'm not sure how the other people around us in line took it because they were right, quiet. right but you know finally 8 30 well no eight, about 8 10 rolled around they got the escalator rolling and took us up and there were about six people in line at that point and 10 minutes after that, they finally let us into the theater. And, you know, it was smooth sailing from there. All right. So you've gone from 5.30 a.m. being the third person in line to about 8.30 a.m. there being six people in line. Yeah. And how many tickets did they have allocated to them? Do you know? Uh, that particular theater had 40 tickets, but <laughs> no limit on the number a particular person could buy. Okay, right. So this is the reason that you were able to perhaps yes. get an extra ticket for a certain dude. Yes, Mike, I did get one for you, too. That so means you have sad. to come to Japan and see the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> again, it's going to be more of a collectible poster for me than it is uh, an active item. But Yeah. So but that anyway. is a kind of a fascinating look into this was the process and how did it contrast with what you expected i mean it's got to be somewhat different considering you got there at 5 30 
Yeah, well, I kind of expected a zoo. I mean, especially considering not just Dragon Ball, but One Piece. Right, right. So maybe even just like a controlled zoo where, you know, some amount of people, but at least not, well, I don't know. It, it is Japan. <laughs> so, you know, it would be a controlled zoo unless you're talking a train station. But <laughs> right. even so, yeah, I was not let down, but a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a possibility that because it was a holiday, a lot of people were staying in and waiting until later in the day to go. I was going to say, what do you attribute this to? Is it just a holiday, not wanting to get there early? Were Possible. most fans not concerned about being able to get one? Are they just going to go see the movies individually anyway? Possible. I think another factor is simply that the one that I went to is also the least busy of the major yeah. theaters in Osaka because it's in a less busy part of the city. Gotcha. I have no idea what the situation was like at any of the other theaters That's in the Osaka or even in Tokyo. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that was my personal experience. And I came away from it mainly thinking Peking Duck is a pretty cool guy. He gave me you his did? card. <laughs> it's designed to look like a card desk card. <laughs> wow. Super and fan indeed. Introduced me to his blog. Uh, he had a couple of insights about the tickets itself after he, came, he went home. He noted that the stub of the ticket is uh-huh. hidden underneath this area of the frame so that you can't see it when it's framed. Nice, nice. So these are in da- indeed real tickets, and it's divided in half at the bottom. So there's the stub for one piece is on the left side and stuff for stub for Dragon Ball is on the right. Okay, well, that's good because I'm sure some people are imagining, I'm going to go see this movie. You're supposed to bring this entire giant thing with you, but no, there's kind of like, is it a perforated tear-off kind of stub thing at the bottom? Right. Well, you'd have to bring the ticket, but they'll tear off the part and you'll still be left with this nice ticket. You're not going to have to give the ticket to them and Oh, so you sad. do have to bring the entire full thing. Is that what you're I would assume. Do? I would assume. They usually tear it off there. It's okay. sort of a yeah, way yeah. of quality assurance and making right. sure you haven't simply copied another stub yeah. or something. Right, right. Okay. The other thing is that on the back, so it's framed, it has these little slots that the corners of the ticket slide into in order to present it so it doesn't move around. Mm-hmm. On the bottom, there are two sets of slots, so that after you tear off the stub, it still sits properly in the frame. Oh, it's very smart. Uh, Peking Duck also noticed the difference in the art styles between Oda and Toriyama, how mm-hmm. specifically how Eiichiro Oda did everything by hand, it looks like, even the coloring, whereas Toriyama is, from the very start, completely digital. Yeah, he's moved on to doing stuff digitally now, which, I mean, makes sense. He wants to keep up with the times, but... Then you have yes. Oda kicking it old school there. Right. And, you know, he did mention that in in Songoku Densetsu, which was published, what, eight, nine years ago. Yeah, we're approaching a decade for what I consider the new guidebooks at this point. Yes. But, he, yeah, he said there's no going back, and he's obviously moved on from analog methods. Yeah. But yeah. it is a bit slightly different art style. It's definitely leaner, I think. It's not like oh, yeah. the big muscly style, and it's a little rounder than it was towards the end of Dragon Ball. I am happy, though, that he finally abandoned the huge chins of that final <laughs> yeah, phase. Yeah. Nice. That, that never sat well with me. But yeah, it was a pleasant experience, and I met a pretty cool guy, and yeah. Great story. Great way to open up the show here. Uh, it's kind of insight that only us at Consensu are really able to bring you uh, in the English-speaking world. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm very appreciative of uh, you being there and doing this kind of stuff. I mean, you were there at 5.30 in the morning doing yes. your job. I appreciate that. I know everyone else does, too. It was my pleasure. And also, my pumpkin pie turned out very nice. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear about that. That is the most important part. 
you want to make sure that the sweet, delicious things did turn out okay. Indeed. It was a, it was a great day, and I was completely exhausted by the end of it, but I was very happy. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. We are really sticking with you this episode. That's kind of our intro. We had a, it's almost a, a mini topic that we're using as our intro stuff, but you know, people are very excited about the movie and want to hear every little tidbit they can about it. So we're going to leave the movie behind. We're going to look to the past to this episode. Our topic this week is going to be coverage of something called Dragon Ball Children. These are a series of illustrations and short essays by other jump artists and authors. We'll tell you all about it kind of momentarily. But first, we're going to hit up a little bit of news. What little news there was this week. We actually covered most of the new because we put up the previous podcast episode so late in the middle of the week. The only tiny little bit of news was just an update to a prior bit of news, and that is Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission on the 3DS. After we uh, saw the update from V Jump and posted up on the site, I think the next day Namco Bandai released a trailer for the game. Julian, did you get a chance to check out the trailer at all? I have not actually. Uh, it's just kind of a busy. little thing. It showcases some things. Uh, it does show a little bit of the new, what I'm assuming is the opening animation with Broly in it, because if it's a new animation, it's going to have Broly. Has Broly. That's yeah. just kind of how we roll these <laughs> days. But that's really it for the news. It's just an update to a prior update. It was uh, a slow week. I guess really the news people were harping on the, the new movie and whatever we could get out of that, but uh, there hasn't been anything new. I guess we can say that uh, the January issue of V-Jump did indeed have a short little splash uh, updating on the new movie, but it was everything that we already knew, correct? Yep. It was the title, and I think the image of Goku was one that was already on the official website. Right. So at this point, we're still looking for visual confirmation somewhere about Cab... Kabackle. I don't know what to call the <laughs> possible villain animal thing at this point, uh, but we have not seen that in any official capacity, correct? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, all of the various Jump True. magazines, right? but... I think it but would probably point. be all over at, the, at this point if there were. Right. So, I don't know. We kind of have to hold off for February issues of magazines. And as we approach that time frame, we're getting closer and closer to the movie. Although February issues will come out in December. So, there's still that yes. weird time frame between things. Well, and you got Weekly jumping, Jump coming That's out. That's true weekly right so they can kind of put whatever they want over in weekly job yes good although there will probably be a double issue around new year's right do they do that every year i would assume generally the first uh, few days before and after the new year holiday Uh uh-huh so you they wouldn't do anything right then Mm -hmm. although i may be wrong let me think no that makes sense i mean you go back to the uh wonderful crossover dragon ball one piece that was during uh, one of those double issues in 2004, 2003, 2005, somewhere around there. Mm, it's getting back there now, isn't it? Feels Again, weird. we're <laughs> coming up on things that I still consider new that are almost 10 years old. All right, so that's really the news this week. Not a whole lot of news. So let's turn it over to Dragon Ball Children. Julian, we're diving in this week, Dragon Ball Children. Can you give me a little bit of an overview on how these started? Uh, Some of them were reprinted, and there's actually some stuff missing these days. So where did it all begin? So it all begins with the Kanzenban, or perfect edition, or complete edition if you prefer, of the manga, which was released between the end of 2002 
and the middle of 2004 in Japan. Actually, last issue, I still remember this because of Greg. April 1st, 2004, issue 34 came out. Oh, yes. It was an interesting time. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was nice to have this new version of the manga that had the color pages intact, and as, as well as some of the title pages, which weren't included in the original Tanko Bone volumes, although there were f- still a few missing and a few that were redrawn for unclear reasons. Right, and some of the in-between pictures are missing as well, but overall, uh, yes, I mean, the... high-quality pages that they kind of made up for everything. Yes, what is it, Anokoro no Washi, me back then, and things like that were missing, and that was kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was a very nice presentation of the manga, and you got these bonuses by way of new illustrations, and not only that, but with every odd-numbered issue when when it first came out, there was a little pamphlet. It was called Dragon Ball Rutsushin. I think it was labeled Dragon Ball Information in English, although it'd be something like Dragon Ball Newswire or Dragon Ball Times, kind of like the Shendon Tsushin pamphlet with... um, the Daizenshu volumes. Right. But anyway, uh, they were, you know, just like the Shenlong Times, their main purpose was to get you excited about merchandise that was around the corner. But just like the Shenlong Times things with the Daizenshu, they also included something very special. And this special thing was something called Dragon Ball Children. And it was also called that in Japanese. It's just Dragon Ball Chiruduren. And what this was, was various manga artists published by Shueisha would sort of give their reflections about how they were influenced by Akira Toriyama and Dragon Ball in particular, and how it impacted their worldview, their careers, their childhoods, as the title would suggest. And there's some pretty big names in here. I mean, the very first one that they have is Eiichiro Oda, who is the author of One Piece, and at this point, he was only five years into the series, and now he's close to 15. Yeah, I mean, it was already big at that point, but it's, it's far huge. bigger at this point. Yes. And Masashi Kishimoto, the author of Naruto and a few others that people will probably be familiar with, Taitokubo for Bleach, and just flipping through here. It's not just that they came with essays, but each author, along with their essay, would draw an illustration of Dragon Ball in their own particular style. And this is quite interesting. You get their own take on the series and, you know, you kind of get a sense of what it is about the series that they like just looking at the illustrations. Usually they have a little bit, at least, to do with what they're talking about. Right. Not always, though. Not always. But, you know, you do get a, you do get a sense of their own take on the series and their own particular style. You do see some really nice selections as well where, yeah, the majority of them show Goku. But then you have one that is entirely the Red Ribbon Army. And that's the kind of stuff I really like where they're they're all talking about these different points in the series. And I think because it's Japan and these are people who grew up with the series, it's not all... Super Science and Frieza Arc and Cell stuff that they're talking about. There's a, a very good appreciation for the entire story and Goku's growth over the entire story. So there is stuff like Piccolo Daimao and Red Ribbon Army that's thrown in the mix there. And I really like that. Yeah, I think that really is great. The one thing here, though, is there was originally 17 volumes. They were included in every odd volume of the Kanzenban volumes right. when they were released. I think it was only the first edition. I may be Mm -hmm. wrong, but I haven't seen them in anything newer. But, um, so, 
The first ten of these were reprinted in the guidebook Dragon Ball Landmark, which came out right around the end of 2003. Now, we said before that the Kanzenbaum volumes went until, what, April 2004. So obviously, they weren't finished with all of these. They have the first ten in Dragon Ball Landmark, which was the first of the two Kanzenban manga guides. Well, what about the other seven? At the time, I had assumed that they would be in Dragon Ball Forever, which was the second of the two Kanzenban manga, uh, manga guides. But they weren't there. And, yeah, so basically, they were never reprinted. The only way that you could get access to those seven, I guess you could call them lost, essays and <laughs> illustrations, was to, you know, have got the first edition volumes with them inside. Now, at this time when these were coming out, where were you? Well, um, initially... So back in 2002, early 2003, I was in high school. Oh, wow, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I was I was a senior in high school. I occasionally forget that you are a couple of years younger than me. Yeah, so, you know, I was with my parents' house on my dial-up connection with a crappy scanner. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't get a digital camera until a few years later, so that was out of the question. Um, I did scan each of these pamphlets, and I did put the images up on our site at the time, X. I think I joined officially at the beginning of 2003. Yeah, we were prepping for launch January 2003. So we were, we came in right as the Kanzenban was launching. I think that was December 02. So yeah. nice revival all around. Yes. And I continued this on into my first year of college, you know, 2003-04. And I continued using the schools scanners on the sly when I really should have been writing papers and things. Were you ordering the Kanzenban? Uh, how are you getting them? I was getting them through Amazon Japan. Oh, okay. Now, the shipping to send them to the U.S. was about the same as the cost of the books themselves. Which is so way was, better back then than it is now. I mean, you're looking at two or three times the cost of a book to ship something. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's awful, man. That's why I'm starting, I'm just going to have you pick things up for me and I'll just throw you a couple bucks. And Gee, I don't need them right away. Next time you come to the country, just bring me a box. Yes. It's all good. I'd like to direct you to my PayPal account. <laughs> yes. All right, so you were, were picking them all up. Uh, you did all 17. Yeah, I scanned all of them and I actually put them on the website at the time in a, well, we had image galleries back then. Yep. And we, I think we called them Other Artists Draw Dragon Ball or something like that. And, you know, I had always intended to translate the essays as well. But the only thing about me when I was, you know, 17, 18 is that my Japanese sucked. <laughs> and I took one look at these and I went, um, never mind, never mind. Bit. But here we are basically again, about 10 years later. And yeah. well, we're done. Yes. Well, you well, know, it, it was a bit of a challenge. I mean, I do have Dragon Ball Landmark, but, you know, right, I had right. set it aside for so long that I'd kind of forgotten about it. But then, you know, when I finally realized, well, you know, hey, I could do this, I thought, wait, the last seven never reprinted. They were in pamphlets that I had sitting on a counter or possibly <laughs> a shelf in my bedroom, which my parents cleaned out after I left and came to Japan. They're long gone. So they're somewhere in a box, hopefully, in New York. Yes. We're hoping. Yeah, and the uncropped scans I lost yeah, during the knows. computer change. But I mean, years thankfully, upon years because ago. of the internet and between myself and Heath and other folks, e easy enough to track down. So we do yes. have the original text for yes. uh, all 17 here. So we are able to bring 
finally, English translations of all 17 Dragon Ball children. I know as of the time we're recording, 1 through 10 are indeed up on the site because you had those available to you uh, sooner than later via the Constant Bun guidebook. Uh, The other seven, we're hoping maybe they'll be up by the time the show goes up, and if not, it'll be like the next day or so. So I am very happy to finally bring the text as well as the images to you. Um, now that I am actually competent in Japanese. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun translating these. The artists, you know, really get to show off not only their love for the series, but their sense of humor. Yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff in here. So what we're really going to do is we're talking about what kind of style do we want to do for reviewing, talking about these. It's just the two of us this episode, so kind of a rotating top three or top five doesn't really make sense and there's only 17 anyway so i kind of just want to pull out random quotes here and there they're short enough that you can read through them all in one quick go on your own so we also don't want to spoil the entirety of all of these so we're just going to pick and choose a couple little quotes couple uh fun stories a lot of uh crossover between artists that all say the same kind of thing and julian i actually want to get you going here uh i couldn't pull out an exact author that said this because i read it i think three or four times but many of them many 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 referred to akira toriyama as god yes and i think particularly uh eichiro oda he kicks it off yeah god and in addition to that, you also have uh, Shinya Suzuki, the author of Mr. Full Swing, mm-hmm. uh, which was a baseball manga that was in serialization at the time. You know, they both refer to him as God. He's like their complete ideal in terms of manga. I'm just doing control F on the page. The next one we have here is Arina Tanimura. Tanimura, yes. I believe she was the author of, what is it? Furumun wo sagashite, which okay, was, that makes sense. I think that was serialized in the the girls magazine Libon. Uh, maybe that's it for people referring to him as God, but there were similar sentiments from other artists as well. And what do you think this says about them? Are they referring to just his ability to come up with stories on the fly, or just pull things all together in the end, and it just always felt like? The perfect story? Well, I think they all have their own particular reasons, and I think it, it speaks to their respect for him as a creator. I think um, Eijiro Oda specifically terms it uh, as him being the god of his own work, yet having no idea what's going to happen. Right, right. And we did talk about that uh, last time you were here on the show, I think those two weeks ago, um, we were talking about uh, quotes. And I think we finished the entire section appropriately with Oda describing Dragon Ball as a masterpiece and how yes. uh, he said, uh, Toriyama no Goku would never betray us. Yes, and that's actually what made me decide to just go ahead and translate all of these. Just I just all. got su- such <laughs> yeah. a kick out of translating it all the fly- on the fly that I thought, well, why not? Let's just do this. The next kind of crossover story that I saw so many times was, and it was told exactly the same way every time. It was that you don't spoil what happened in this week's Dragon Ball chapter to your friends or you're screwed. You have to let everyone read it. But at the same time, you've read this chapter and you're just burning with shonen spirit on the inside, wanting to talk about it and debate it with all of your friends. But, oh boy, if you spoiled this week's Dragon Ball, you're in for it now. Yeah, I mean, especially I think it was Masashi Kishimoto, the author of Naruto, of course, who Uh specifically said... 
those who broke the rule and stole everyone's enjoyment must naturally receive a comparable punishment. <laughs> yes, he talks several times about the, quote, unspoken rule, end quote there. And I think there was one other person, perhaps it was... Uh, I think me... Suzuki here is saying the same thing about getting to school and already fired up with Dragon Ball discussion. Oh, yes. Death upon those who would spoil you because that would just cut your enjoyment in half. Yes. <laughs> And I know there are people who still feel that way. I know a lot of people just go to the online spoilers or something as soon as a new chapter comes out. But mm -hmm. come on, can't you wait and just see what happens? It's interesting is that the, the schoolyard was the internet message board of the time prior to all this. It's that Basically, you've read yeah. it first and you've just got this. It's the equivalent of an e-penis at the time. Like, I read it first and I can tell you all about it. But it's just this kind of schoolyard bravado sort of thing going on. Yes. And that's the thing, too. It really speaks to the kind of phenomenon that Dragon Ball was at the time. Yeah. I mean, it maybe doesn't have the, quite the cross-demographic appeal as One Piece does now, but a lot of people really enjoyed it, and it crossed gender lines. I mean, you have two female artists in the mix here, uh -huh. um, which is, you know, two out of 17, but it's more <laughs> but than still. zero. <laughs> um, I say for Japan, that's pretty good odds here for what they're going to publish about Dragon Ball. Yes, but just being able to strike up a conversation with virtually anyone within, say, 10 years above or below you, and keep keep in mind, these are people who were children when it was first coming out. So, you know, they'd be able to talk to us, but they'd also be able to talk to people older than them about it, and you have right. a reasonable good chance of actually finding some common ground. You had this a little bit uh, in your teaching endeavors, where you could ask the kids about Dragon Ball, and they would know about it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's less of a thing now, because I teach high school students, and there are only a few people who are like really co hardcore. Yes, manga all the time because they want to uh, be more to subtle get about too it. Too cool for school at that point, a little bit. More like too too nerdy for school. Uh, there are people who wear their fandom on their sleeves, but they tend to be the people who are lower key in any way. One other crossover I want to get to here, and I'm going to turn it over to you for some of your thoughts. Is several of them, and I think it starts off with Kubo here talking about how awesome the villains are and that's not to say that the heroes aren't awesome as well but maybe yes. i'll just read this this uh these couple sentences here from kubo i don't mean that i dislike the heroes side i just like the villains starting with the aforementioned tau pai pai chaozu piccolo raditz vegeta nappa zarbon dodoria ginyu raccoon and of course frieza once you start writing the names there's no end it'd be harder to find a villain that i dislike exactly I mean, that's the thing about the villains in the series, is that they all have this personality. Mm. They all have sort of this interesting point. And you have um, Masako Nozawa in her interview that oh, we... Oh, yeah, yeah. That we... That I translated. I think that was one of my quotes where she's saying, who do you think you are? You put up this front, but oh, you're so adorable at the same time. And, <laughs> and how is it that we find these villains so endearing and so adorable? But uh, clearly the voice actors and the other authors here, there's just yes. Toriyama's work just does that. It seeps endearing characters, even the villains. Exactly. And it comes back here is that he says... They all had sort of a screwy aspect to their personalities, but that just made their strength and their fearsomeness stand out all the more. 
Mm. Yeah, Toriyama says the same thing about naming Piccolo and other characters, where if I just gave them a scary name, that wouldn't be interesting. So I have to have this kind of internal conflict with them uh, about their appearance and their name and their personality. So he's thinking about it, even though he describes himself as lazy and taking shortcuts on stuff. There's still this brilliant author in the back of his head somewhere that's doing this that other people are able to pick out of him. Yes. And I think, too, um, one of the things that I picked up on here is not only people who are just enchanted by the story and they're burning with excitement every week. That's yeah. something that comes up again a lot is just that it was, you know, you couldn't wait for the next week to come. You you know, you reread <laughs> yeah. what you had and you're just waiting not patiently, impatiently. Not, the exact opposite of patiently, yeah. <laughs> yes, barely barely containing yourself, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, it's not only that, but a lot of these come back to the, the art. Mm. And, you know, that the art really impressed them. And, you know, if you do look at it, there does have some enchanting quality about it sometimes. Sometimes quite a bit, in fact. The, just that he makes good use of his lines. He has very little tone, if any. In fact, he tends to use the same thickness of pen stroke for almost everything, and yet he still manages to get a lot of depth. And just the colors... Uh, which one of them talks about just the, the beauty of the colors and how it just sort of captivated him The time stood still as he was looking at it? Uh, it was Kano. Uh, the beautiful backgrounds and drawn in the middle of it. The boy so cute he would immediately grab your attention. Goku. When the colors of the first page of the first chapter reached my eyes, time stood still for me for a good while. And it did have that kind of effect on people. It was not just the story, which, mm-hmm. you know, being written slapdash by the seat of his pants, he still had something in his art that really struck a chord with some people and it it seems like for a lot of these artists it awakened something in them mm, that totally. they realized they had this artistic inclination and they really started to focus on it that made them want to draw yeah this is what i want to do with my life i don't know how to accomplish it i don't know where to begin but they read dragon ball and their own shonen spirit awakened yes well their own artistic spirit awakened and for some of them they speak in terms that really strikes me as they sort of saw things in an artistic sort of way, but they didn't know how to interpret that until they Mm. saw this and they realized, oh, I can do art. (laughs) We talked a little bit about how people, certain people have this ability to sort of envision like a finished image on a blank canvas. And it strikes me as that maybe even if they didn't have quite that sort of innate ability that it, they did pick up on a certain sort of something that was there that made them want to hone their own craft. And they, they uh, there's one or two of them that talks about the ingenuity of the designs and that sort of thing. Things, even things that don't really exist, that are very sort of well designed out. Let's see, I want to talk about some of the humor in some of these. So, of course, we have Eiichiro Oda who talks about how they wanted so badly to know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And... At the same time, the creator and god of the series, Akira Toriyama, was thinking to himself, what's going to happen? Hmm, I wonder what's going to... Oh, so that's how it ends. Every week, same thing going on, author and reader. And he uses his humor just to sort of break up the narrative. So he he starts with initial excitement, he goes to a punchline, but then he gets into this really impassioned thing about how, in spite of that, Akira Toriyama, or actually Goku, would never betray their expectations. 
it becomes a really heartfelt thing, but he uses the humor very well to sort of recount uh, the contrast between how the kids at the time were thinking and his own sort of insight into things now that he actually, I guess we could say, has his phone number. I don't know if they actually talk regularly, but they obviously do right. communicate on a fairly uh, Yeah, I can't basis. picture Toriyama uh, actively having conversations really with anyone. Yes. Who is this? Are you trying to sell me something? <laughs> One what? Oh, that series my kids like. Also in the realm of wackiness, we have Kenjiro Takeshita. The entire article is basically about how much of a pervert is socially acceptable. Can I get away with it? And Toriyama <laughs> has shown me the way. Yes. So... Through his exposure to Kamesenin, he was set free, basically. It's kind of disturbing, but at the same time, if you're coming from an early Dragon Ball perspective, it all makes sense, and you can kind of understand that. And you're talking earlier about wearing it on your sleeve. Well, the, the lecher is certainly there for yes. full display. Yes, and there is a forum thread going on as we record this about yes. whether he's simply a reprehensible human being or whether it's funny and somehow endearing in the fact that he always completely fails in his perverted antics. I think that's a, a worthwhile discussion. I don't know if this is the right place for it as we talk about some of these wacky stories, but that is something I do love about our forum is that we can have these uh, deeper conversations about the series, such as sexual harassment and racism in the series and we can totally talk about it. And uh, again, I appreciate that. And that is why Konzenshu is a fantastic place, not just a website, not just a podcast, not just a forum, all those things combined with such great conversations. So there's my mini plug in the middle of the episode for everything else we have going on. But I think he does close it in spite of the sort of odd choice of subject matter. He says it's not just, uh, um, he's talking about how it's not just Kamesenin and Dragon Ball, but also Dr. Senbei Norimaki in Dr. Mm -hmm. Slump who despite being the genius scientist of the century is a hopeless pervert and uses his intellect to those ends. He's not just incredible, he has his faults. He has some careless flaw somewhere. I think that's why Toriyama characters are so beloved. Um, now you can debate his choice of an example, but I think he does have a point. And I think he is also trying to excuse himself for being a pervert. So I, I really enjoyed that. But it does come back again and again. They talk about memorable scenes, how they just sort of captivated them and just had a shock. I'm not sure what's really going on with uh, Kota Hirano here. He's... Now, who is this author? Uh, he's the author of Helsing. He was okay. Helsing drawing was something else for property, Shueisha right? at the time, I think, which is why he took part in this, because it's not published by Shueisha. Gotcha. Pretty sure. So we have the 17th, the final one here, Kota Hirano. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It feels almost like a parody of some of the earlier ones. Yeah. I think, in a way, he is being sort of serious, but the way that he presents it is just sort of off the wall and weird that it's hard to know what to make of it. <laughs> I agree. Well, what is this? Tal Pai Pai and me and Gogo and a Gundam. Yes. So he just, while well, he was talking about how his friends were so off practicing various techniques from Dragon Ball, convinced uh -huh. that they'd be able to do them if they did it enough, he was off drawing weird images involving Dragon Ball characters and situations like showing the 
Red Ribbon Army conquering the world, or uh-huh. ima- imagining himself, Bulma, in lunch on a southern isle, whiling away the years, making out. Or, as you said before, locked in deadly combat with Tao Pai Pai and Golgo thir- 13. All right, here's the a big Gundam. question. Yes? Duke versus Tao Pai Pai, who wins? I have no idea. <laughs> All right, I think that would I think that would be a fair battle. I mean, Golgo's up there. Tell Pai Pai though. I mean, he is also master assassin. That's very true. But he he talks about how his friends were rather repulsed and wanted him to draw you know things like Goku or Piccolo. So he <laughs> purposely drew Yamcha beating Piccolo to a pulp and winning the Tenkaichi Budokai ten times in a row, or Goku turning into a giant ape and squishing his adoptive grandfather underfoot. And then they really hated it. Such were my school years. <laughs> and you can see where the author of Helsing came from, <laughs> kind of just looking back on these stories. Uh, he wraps it up. He says, oh, and also, next time I'm going to marry number 18. Honest. 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 It's the weirdest ending to any of these, and I have no idea. <laughs> kind of weird. Kind of weird. Mm. Uh I, w- I want to pull it back here. This is going to be the last thing that uh, I talk about. And if you have anything else, absolutely feel free to toss it into yeah. the mix here. Uh, this story comes to us from the one masterful Yoshio Sawai, the author of Boba Bobo, Boba Bo, uh, who, of course, uh, did his own little one shot. I think it was, was it one on one, one versus one? Uh, one on one. It was named after a Dragon Ball chapter that had the same name, Ikyuchi, which is. Gotcha. I think, I think the official Viz translation said something like Mano a Maniac. But that's <laughs> okay. the common misperception that mano a mano means man to man when it actually means hand to hand, like right, hand right. to hand combat. Anyway, so there's a parody chapter on that. Uh, so I, obviously, a uh, longtime Dragon Ball fan, pulled it into his own series many, many times. So this will be my last story by way of so I. When I was involved in a traffic accident in elementary school, I thought as I got hit by that car, I can't die until I read what happens next in Dragon Ball. Although it was just a sprain. My number one attachment to life was Dragon Ball. It was the same in junior high and in high school. So yes. uh, there you have it. Uh, child on the brink of death. I must know what happens next week in Dragon Ball. Yes. And it's more interesting, actually, in the original pamphlet, because the parts where he gets really worked up are in larger font and bolded. So they're like bigger than everything else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is, I, I can imagine this is actually, actually how he wrote the manuscript Probably. and how they faithfully <laughs> Just reproduced like it. Just like scribbling these larger words on the page. Uh, yes. I, yeah, totally. But then for actual Dragon Ball landmark, everything is sort of neat, tidy formatting and all the furiganas in place. And I think it loses a little bit of its impact. I sort of compromised for the Kanzenshu translation where I, I bolded the parts that were originally big, although it doesn't have quite the same impact. But I, I wanted to go easy on Heath so he wouldn't have to write lots of CSS, specifically for that one essay. So that's how I'm wrapping it up. Do you have any other uh, kind of last-minute quotes or stories you want to use to close up our Dragon Ball children topic here? Um, just that one thing they get back to again and again is how they reread the series. And in doing so, they find renewed energy, they feel hope for the future, and it it sort of reminds them of exactly why they're doing what they're doing and how it hasn't faded at all, that feeling. And I think that feeling is the most important thing that carries through a lot of these. Just the feeling of excitement. Of seeing something new when they revisit it. And that carries over to us as well. That's why we're still doing this. I mean, Kanzenshu, as a website whole entity, 
dates back to January 1998 with me when I launched Fujito EX's homepage, and I don't actively watch the series or even reread it that often, but when I do, it's the same thing. I notice new things, and even when I'm not actively consuming the product itself, I'm still learning new things and having fun with you and Heath and Jake and Mary and the entire community talking about it and reliving it and learning about it. And that's another thing that gets brought up again too is that you know there's always something uh but it, more importantly it's fun i mean we do all this sort of out of universe thing and looking at interviews and talking about the production aspect of things and you know that's interesting but we're here because it's interesting because we like it because it's fun and Storyama that's uh, wrote a good story uh mikio ito brought that up in the ninth essay you know he's applying these sort of logical to things uh things as to why he liked it he talks about um the poses and the villains but when you get down to it he's just looking for reasons where he just liked it doesn't have to have a reason it was fun i like it because i like it exactly and i think that gets back to the first essay where uh ichiro oda is talking about this contrast between the kids who were always really excited about what was going to happen next and the creator having no clue no what clue. he was going to do next. It didn't matter. You know, all this out-of-universe stuff, it's interesting. But more importantly, the story really hooks you and it keeps you engaged. That wraps up Dragon Ball Children. Again, right now we definitely have 1 through 10 up on the site. You can read the translation and see the images, uh, 11 through 17. If they're not up by the time you hear it, they're on their way, so uh, check out that translation section of Konzenshu that's under our general info. There's Dragon Ball Children, there's a ton of other stuff from you and Jake up there, uh, and there's much more to come. Yes, there is much more on the way. I had a bit of a slowdown just this past week because I was swamped by, you know, work, work, and Yeah, you're life. allowed to have work and family and all that stuff. It's yes. so okay. But finals time is coming up, so I will have plenty of time to translate more stuff. Do you translate while the kids are taking tests? Is that how it works? Well, when you have nothing else to do, you've got to keep something to keep you occupied. So you might as well translate and say you're studying Japanese. Be productive. I like it. All right, man. So that wraps up our topic. Uh, we are just about done with the show here. But before we wrap things up, I am so happy and appreciative that we get to thank a couple donors right now. I haven't talked about this in a while, but Kanzenshu does have fees that uh, really just come out of my pocket and our pockets uh, every month to keep it going. Uh, so we are so, so, so beyond incredibly appreciative when the server can stay up because of all the wonderful things you guys do for us. So I do want to thank, uh, and I, <sighs> my pronunciation, uh, Noche Hair or Her. Uh, I am super, super sorry if I didn't say that right. So let's just say no. Thank you, no, as well as Lemmy. I, I can say Lemmy. I know who Lemmy is. Uh, you two folks have uh, made it possible to bring you Konzenshu for uh, last couple months right now. And I, from the bottom of everything in my heart and my soul, if I were to believe in souls, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that so, so much. Uh, it 
makes everything worth it. And, uh, you know, just, you can hear me speechless. I appreciate that. So thank you folks. Uh, if you are interested, we, I, I don't like to talk about it. I've got this pride thing, but there is a a little donate page that you can read up on. And, uh, I'm going to name something probably uh, a couple months of hosting, uh, in honor of these fine folks for keeping, let's say like the, the fall Kanzenshu memorial season for no and Lemmy here. Uh, I appreciate that. That's what I'll put up. Uh, we do name things in honor of folks so we can recognize you in some way for the great things you do for us. So again, don't like to talk about it. It's there. You don't have to not pushing it. Just saying it helps. Uh, so that's our show this week. Julian, thank you for staying up to talk uh, about Dragon Ball Children with me. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. I got a kick out of it. Yeah, I mean, he's holding up the ticket one last time. Very, very excited. Uh, we did link it. Uh, you can see it on the Twitter account for Konzenshu. Uh, we didn't update saying, hey, we bought ticket because... I don't know. That doesn't yeah, really, yeah, you didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really seem like an appropriate update, but we did link it in the Dragon Ball Children 1 through 10 update. So there's a couple different places that you can uh, check out a picture of the full size ticket. So uh, thank you again. So for Julian over there, for Heath and for Jake and for Mary, Mary's about to finish Chrono Trigger. So next time she's on the show, I do want to have a little after episode uh, kind of reflection with Mary uh, as she wraps up uh, a, a gaming masterpiece that does involve Mr. Akira Toriyama. So uh, look for that in the near future. So thank you again, Julian. Tell the wonderful children, the Dragon Ball children, if you will, where Kanzenshu can be found. Yes, you can find Kanzenshu on the interwebs at www.kanzenshuu.com. Thank you, sir. Uh, appealing to the international audiences there. I like that. So uh, it's Sunday morning. I got to go see my wife before she takes off. She's got a, a girl's day with her sister and other folks, bridesmaidy things going on. So I'm going to do that. You got to head off to bed relatively soon, I'm sure, for your work week. So good luck oh. during your work week and hope you can translate some stuff. Thank you. All right. So again, thanks to everyone. We will see you next week. This was episode 315. We'll see you for 316 next week. Julian, close it out. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Konzenshu, the podcast. Check us out next week. Thank you once again for listening to Dai um, Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> did it. Oh, I, I knew I had to slip at some point. <clears throat> Let's try that again. <laughs>